20, I'm in case emergency. Ain't no cap in my rock. Really, I know it's the truck. More profit mean extra. Emma White out full of pressure. That cereal milk smoking right. But that Obama right, so special. Kansas City, I'm a chief. Shout out to K5 on this one. Country thinking I was hushing. I always had it on me. Booming like OJ the Juice. Till a nigga told on me. Run down this relentless. Ain't no love, we ain't friendly. If she want me on him. No the law, she get the business. No the law, still the model. Empire. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is the Birds of a Feather podcast, the Hawks edition. We're going to look back at last week's four games. We're going to look ahead to next week's games against uh, Charlotte, OKC, and San Antonio. Do some ATL around the league. Give me props where I introduce a new betting site that I think everybody could benefit from. And then a little city talk at the end. So come on with me and enjoy this ride. Last week was the type of week that I am consistently looking for for the Hawks. Now, granted, we're coming off a seven-game losing streak because we lost to Denver on the first game, went 0 for 4 on the road trip. Shit was tough. It, it, it was. It was tough. There's no point in lying about it, sugarcoating it, nothing. But last week was a 3-1 week. And the best part about being the 3-1 week is we beat a team that we're pretty even with that some people may maybe say, like, we shouldn't have beat. We beat two teams we absolutely should have beat. And we lost to one team on the road. And it's like, okay, I understand that. So when you get into it, we had a loss in Denver, 105 to 96. Really just the third quarter killed us. And we we didn't get anything from Hunter in this game. Two points, two rebounds. Um, You really started to see, actually, that he was hurt. And it it was very much affecting his play. And, you know, him being out, we're going to talk about later and whatnot. But you definitely saw it this game. He was just completely ineffective. Collins, though, Collins had a great road trip and he is on a hot streak right now. He was 26 and nine this game. Trey had 39 and five super coming on. What killed us was the bench play. Hunter and Reddish combined for 10 points, three assists combined. I I just I don't see how two very super talented players can routinely put up mediocre numbers. And it's not even like the the 5 points from or the 7 points from a uh, Herder and the the 3 from Reddish was like just terrible in the sense of like they just kept shooting and nothing was falling. 96 points held under 100 again. It it was bad. And then Jokic dominated. 22, 19, and 10, triple-double. Aaron Gordon, who is was just crap all those years in Orlando. You know what I'm saying? They had a youth movement coming on. He comes over there. He's 23, 4, and 9. Dropping buckets. Uh, and then Highland ended up giving you, what was it, 12, 15. 15 off the bench. We shot 18%. From three. Now, in today's NBA, I don't care what kind of team you are. You shoot 18% from three, it's over for you. It's over for you. Because they, they shot under 30%. They didn't like light us on fire. If they had, it would have been a super blow, blowout. But it was tough. It was tough. And it put us in a must-win situation coming back home for the homestand. Um, one of the good points that 
kept in this game and has kept tracking uh, pretty much all year. We outscored our opponent points in the paint. We had 64 to their 54. Trey gets into the Trey gets into the lane and his floater and layup package really like bumps up our points in the paint and his floater looks just like his alley. And it's it's an underrated quality because you get into the lane and you don't know whether he's shooting or passing and it allows for easy easy buckets from the dunker spot and it allows guys to immediately cut to the basket and make a play. Now I'm saying he he play makes out of the post. And for a small guy, that is extremely, extremely helpful. So then we're home versus Milwaukee. Six game losing streak and Hunter's out. This game was domination. It was 20 points, but at one point in time, we were up 27. It was a 20 point win, but at one point in time, we were up 27. Consistently, they scored 30 points every quarter on average. You know, 30 points every quarter. That's the type of consistency you want to see from a team. On the six game losing streak, you know that we had starting last week, there were quarters in which we scored 19 and 16, respectively. That's not the type of not only consistency, but offensive production you expect from this type of team. Now, I, for one, love Hunter's defense. I think he's extremely valuable and necessary to our team defensively. But he's almost a net negative on offense. Having him out on the floor defensively hurts you a bit offensively when he's not knocking down shots. He had the one big game in Philly. And other than that, he has been he's been slacking hard offensively and I, I i love him as a player i love him defensively i really hope he can all put it together but one net negative on offense and two can't stay off the trainer's table it's hard to really go to bat for that type of guy the second and fourth we outscored them by 14 points in the fourth we had uh bench guys in toward the end they closed the gap a little bit coming out of the third but this this game was domination Giannis had 26, 6, and 5. Um, Holiday had 19. Grayson had 18. The guy I was really happy with, Bobby Portis, had 11 points. And if you remember the playoff run, especially when Giannis went down, Bobby Portis was the one that killed us. And it's because we didn't know how to handle him defensively. And he cooked up John Collins and then bullied Capella down low. Both guys were effective at guarding him. This was Herder's first game in the starting lineup. He only had like 11 points. The real, the real like meat of this game was Trey Young. 42, 10, and 8. Bomb game. He he was like 5 of 9 from 3, consistent from the floor all night. The, Holiday could not stay in front of him. Holiday couldn't stay in front of him in the playoff matchup. Really. You know, and if it wasn't for a rolled ankle, I really think we would have had a chance against them, especially with Giannis out. But they did a good job team effect on Giannis, built the wall. And once you get ahead of them at a certain point, you do force them into shoot from three category. And that's not their strong point. Um, Reddish still struggling from consistency issues. Uh, four points. He's the sixth man. You know, well, technically he's the seventh man because Herder's the first one off the bench. But um. Bogey is struggling greatly, greatly. This week, he's cracked double digits all three times, but he's only been above 15 once for your starting two guard. Herder's sliding into the three spot right now, and 
I really like Herter in the starting lineup and I like Hunter in the starting lineup. I'd rather Herter be my two at this point. Like I, I, I would not be opposed to moving bogey to the bench because I feel like Herter still gives you link defensively and that young man can shoot next to Trey. He's, he's great shooting, um, as a team, 43% from three, but we took 35 of them. 35 of them. So that's what 43%. It's like 15, 16 of them. And that's that's good to make, but you stretch the defense out and you hit them at a high clip. We only shot like we had 52 points in the paint. And that is amazing for a team against a team like Milwaukee. Coach Bud, he, you know, even when he was here, he loves the space and pace and shoot a lot of threes. You know what I'm saying? And then get Giannis downhill. But we kept him to only 34 points in the paint. Giannis was actually uh, hitting some fadeaways because we were able to, like I said, build that wall, keep him out the paint like that. Overall, that was just a super consistent, super nice win. It stopped the skid. It got us to start going in the right direction. So we're moving positively. Orlando comes into town and it was just a beat down. It, it wasn't a game. It wasn't close. But if you remember me, like I said last week, this is what we needed to do against a team like Orlando. They are young. They're, they're young. They're not experienced. There's nothing they should be able to do against a team that is a playoff contender like this team. Smack the hell out of them. Cole Anthony had 29 and 11. But other than him, nobody on that team did anything anything we shot 55 percent from the field 47 percent from three 54 points in the paint like it was a beat down and it should have been a beat down this was the game bogey was able to get some points but this is a stats game this is a get right game against a team like orlando who who isn't in our class there's levels to this there's levels to this orlando is not even remotely a playoff team and i consider atlanta a top four seed so to say right now that like this this is even a game doesn't make sense. Like you seen when even Brooklyn played them the other night and Harden had like a 30 point triple double. Those are the type of stats you get against a team like Orlando. Shouldn't be a game close. They won by 18. That that's how you should win against a team like them. The game I thought would end the week on two and two was Boston. <laughs> when Boston came to town. Tatum went off. He is on a crazy hot streak, 34 points. But we had consistent scoring from pretty much everybody. Reddish was able to come on this game. He had 19 points. I think he slides perfectly into that six-man role, which is where he probably needs to be first man off the bench instead of a little deeper in the bench. Um, Collins was 20 and 11. Trey was 18 and 11. Herter had 19 points. It, it was a solid scoring effort from everybody involved. And we were able to get past Boston pretty easily. It was a little dicey toward the end, and we didn't outscore them points in the paint like we usually do. But overall, I was I was fine with how we played with that game because that game was more so like a Tatum, get yours. No one else is going to beat us. Dennis coming back into town. He always seems to have the vendetta against the Hawks, but, you know, kept him under 20 points, and he didn't play make that well at all. And Boston is going through some stuff. I think when you have front office stability and you have core stability, you know, like chemistry between your teammates and whatnot, those teams that are going through stuff, 
you do kind of got to pounce on, regardless of the amount of talent that they have on their team. And Atlanta capitalized on that. That's what you got to do against those type of teams, against those type of guys. You beat them and you make sure that they know, look, whatever y'all got going on, the game still got to be played. And if the game's going to be played, we're going to beat you. So my takeaways from this week, we miss Dre's defense. We do. And it's it's not a it's not a bad thing to understand the fact that like we got a guy, we missed the guy, but his replacement is giving us enough of what we need right now as a team. And as a team, we need more scoring. Herter is in the starting lineup and I love him there. Honestly, I think Bogey should be the one to go to the bench when Hunter comes back because Hunter does give you length and versatility or we're going to go on a small ball lineup and um, shift Collins down to the five and Hunter at the four and just get rid of Capella. I don't see that happening because Clint finishes with Trey amazingly and covers up on defense. So I man out as Bogey, regardless of the amount of money that you give him. Uh, Cam's consistency issues. Cam is having a seriously hard time adjusting to being the seventh or eighth man in the rotation. Even though when he gets to the game, he pretty much has a green light because I got to give Nate props. Nate does not play him with Trey much. And I think I thought getting that green light and being able to basically just show out, facilitate the offense in the way you want to um, would help him in his development, but his shot selection needs massive amounts of work, massive amounts of work. He settles for long twos. Um, when he gets into the mid range, there's no playmaking ability in the mid range and his pivot game is trash at this point. Um, he's just like off the dribble, catch and shoot. He's, he's off the dribble to the right shoot, or he's catch and shoot in the corner. And his corner, his corner three ain't falling, but like sometimes shots don't fall. Uh, he's putting up about 10 points a game. I mean, he's putting up about 10 shots a game. If you're that dominant guy on the second unit, I like you around that number. Let's get you to 12 to 15 shots and get to the rack. Get to the rack. Like his free throw percentage is incredibly low. He does not facilitate a lot of contact. He settles for a lot of jump shots. And for a guy who's athletic as he is, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta see more of that. I gotta see you get to the rack more. And even though the game is a bit more physical this year, you're seeing it, you're enjoying it. I, I think pretty much anyone I talk to about ball has agreed that this season is more physical. It's reminding you of the old nineties vibes. It feels good. It's like, okay, you know, this, this is basketball. So, you know, it's not like, you're going to the rack and you're just not getting calls. Like, no, you're not going to the rack at all. Um, Collins. Collins is going bananas. He's averaged like 25 points over uh, this last week and 10 rebounds. That's what if Collins is consistently a 25 and 10 guy, Atlanta's not going to get beat. And that's what you've seen. That's what you've seen this week. They're not going to get beat much if he's 25 and 10 out of that four spot. And. He's added the three to his game, the three in the mid range along. Uh, yeah, the mid range shot along the baseline. He's added to his game. And exactly what you need from him, 
That's exactly what you need from him with this team. Uh, Coach, he's still working out his rotations a lot. And it's it's really frustrating because Lou is unplayable. Lou is unplayable at this point. And that's not to that's not to discount anything that Lou has done for the city of Atlanta, for the culture of Atlanta, for the Hawks in the past or now. Lou is an unplayable point guard. He cannot stay in front of anybody and his shot is harder to get off at this point. He cannot get to the rack. Cannot at this point in time. So all he could do is settle for contested twos or catch and shoot opportunities. But you can't be the catch and shoot opportunity guy if you're the primary ball handler of the second unit. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And the other guy that you consider secondary play um, playmaking is Cam Reddish, and he don't pass the ball well. We still have a great need for secondary playmaking outside of Trey. His assist, per- his assist percentage is the highest among playoff teams. Well, we're not a playoff team right now, but his assist percentage of like total assists he makes to team total assist is super high. It's like 62%, which means if Trey's passing the ball, Trey's handling the ball, Trey's passing the ball, and he's the only person that's passing the ball to end up into a shot. If you want to get like super nerdy on the numbers, it's 62%. He's responsible for assists to teammates. Another 13% is someone passing to him to score the ball. So 75% of the team's total assist live with Trey. Like someone's either passing to him to score or he's passing to someone to score. If only 25% of your offense comes from your uh, from your teammates passing the balls to each other, it you shut down Trey, you shut down the offense. I love his usage rate. I love the fact that we're going to use Trey because he is a superstar. But there's got to be some level of secondary playmaking happening because... I, and I hate to beat this guy. Come playoff time. You know what I'm saying? I feel like when people say that, they don't truly like enjoy the season. But hell, even later in the season, when you play solid teams, they're going to have a defensive game plan for Trey. You got to be able to have your teammates step up. You got to be able to do it. We're climbing back to 500 or seven and nine. Um, I, I expect to have a good week and be able to you know, get back up to the 500 mark and then get us further past. Because like I have stayed consistently, I say this is a 51 team. We had a six game losing streak. We got to get back on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Get back where we need to get to. But overall, I enjoyed this week. Three and one is exactly what we need. So we got three games next week. First game, um, Saturday night. We faced the Hornets. They got LaMelo Ball. He's averaging 27 and 7 this year. They're a real high-flying, spunky group. Um, they got Scary Terry over there. Miles Bridges is coming on this year. And I truly believe that if he's not an all-star, he's going to get serious consideration. He's averaging 21, 7, and 3. Uh, just like I talked about with the secondary playmaking, having Terry Rozier as a secondary playmaker extremely helps i love the vision that the hornets have they trimmed out the roster because they had all those guards they stacked up on forwards they got hayward there um and they they look like a real team 
they look like a real team. They're, they're 10 and seven this year, you know, ahead of us. So definitely going to be a hard game, hard fought, you know, two soup, two young superstar point guards. Love looking forward to that one. They're in our division. So win is important here. So definitely looking forward to that game. The Thunder on Monday night. I will be in the building for that game. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Uh, Shy is averaging 21, 5, and 5. And the rookie they got is averaging 10, 7, and 6 uh, from Australia. Uh, Giddy. Josh Giddy. He's averaging 10, 7, and 6. So it's a pretty well-balanced player. But they're a young team. They've got a million draft picks. And even still, they're 6 and 9 this year, which is crazy because we only got one more win than them. Um, they're young. They It's the same thing as playing Orlando. You got to play them like you know you're better than them. They've got some impressive wins this year against like the Lakers. but And I think one against the Suns. But regardless, like you get a team like that and you stomp them out. Like, don't give them a chance to think that they're close to you or anything like that. You go ahead and handle them and you move forward. Uh, This should be an easy win. I expect this shouldn't be an easy win. I expect this game to be a bit challenging because of the point guard matchup, but I expect a win there. The quote unquote easy win is going to be the third game of the week when we travel to San Antonio. San Antonio is absolutely terrible this year. Pop. has lost his touch. Uh, DeRozan's gone. Aldridge been out of there. The culture's off. They, they're not super young. Their players that are young, aren't overly talented and they, they don't have any blue chippers. They are four and 11. They got Keldon Johnson. They got Dewante Murray. And like Murray is a guard playing in the four, playing in the three spot. This team, this is, what is commonly known as a trap game. This team should not be on your level. This should be a three and oh, this should be a two and one week at the worst. But you're going to feel so much worse about a two and one week if you beat the Hornets and Thunder and then lose to the Spurs as if you lost to the Hornets and then beat the Thunder and Spurs. Like, don't fall into this trap game. It is a trap game. And so that's the one you just got to be cognizant of because like we're traveling there. They're not a great opponent. It's the start of a little road trip. Got to be on point with this one. But at worst, this is a two in one week. All right. A little ATL around the league. As of right now, the Hawks are 12th in the conference. We're four and a, four and a half games back from the net sitting in the one spot. We're five games back from the Wizards and four back from the Hornets. So, or three and a half back from the Hornets. We have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. We're four games back from the Heat. This is a super tough division, which as of right now has three playoff teams. Five in division, us and the uh, Magic are the two odd people out. You know what I'm saying? We've got to climb back up in there. The Nets... They're in the one spot right now without Kyrie. They're playing great ball. Like I talked about, they just beat Orlando. Harden is really coming on. He looked really fat and out of shape. You know what I'm saying? And as a fat guy, I try not to like be like, oh, you just fat. But like, no, Harden Harden really looked big. Like he's always one of those people that kind of look skinny fat, like Carmelo. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, 
you just thick, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like you just you look like you carrying extra weight. Um, and at some point during the season, he kind of slims down. You know what I'm saying? You see it all the time in Houston, but like he ain't slimming down. I don't know. Like I ain't know. Uh, what's it called? I ain't no beauty expert or anything like that. I don't know if it's just like the jersey makes him look like extra chunky, but like Harden is he looking chubby. You know what I'm saying? Like he looking chubby, but his game, his game is unimpeachable at this point. Like he's coming on, he's learning how to play with uh with the foul with the foul changes, the rule changes, and he's doing what he needs to do. In the two spot is the heat. They've come on. Lowry, uh, Jimmy, those guys are, are really just hitting on, hitting on all cylinders and it's to be expected. It's to be expected. The, the, Heat are doing what they need to do. Uh, as always, they, they run a great culture down there. Pat Riley does exactly what he needs to do to get everybody up and ready and prepare for the games. I think personally, they have a chance to slide into the one spot or at least keep the a top three seeding by, you know, winning their division. The Bulls in the three spot. This has been the surprise of the year. The Bulls are playing great basketball, even with weird ass lineups, because at one point in time, they have Lonzo, Caruso, DeRozan and... No, yeah, those they have those three on the floor at one time, and they have DeRozan at the four. It is weird, but it's effective. It is effective. It is working beautifully. Billy Donovan is a good coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, he kind of got a bad rap in the thunder, but he accentuated his superstar, who at the time was Russell Westbrook. This one, DeRozan is the superstar for him. Zach Levine, that's who it is. So they got... uh. They got Lonzo, Zach, Caruso at the three, and then DeRozan at the four. It is a weird lineup, but he plays it, and it works. Um, Next, you got the Wizards. They are coming back to the pack. They were flying high over the past couple weeks, but they're kind of falling back down, and they've had some real questionable losses. Uh, it's kind of a veteran laden team and they're starting to really build around Bradley Bill, where at the time Bradley, Bradley Bill was part of the build around John Wall. Now he's established himself and it's the, okay, we're going to build around Bradley and it's being rewarded. The Kuzma and Harold are perfect pieces around him. And you're really seeing this team start to start to ascend and take off, but they've had some questionable losses this week. So they're kind of coming back to the pack. The Hornets are at the five spot. LaMelo is officially a superstar. It is not like people always talk about um, in football, like ordaining someone too quick. In basketball, you kind of like see the talent and like barring drastic, dramatic uh, injury, you know that talent. Like no one ever looked at Lynn, at Jeremy Lynn during Linsanity and was like, yo, he's a cornerstone foundational piece of an organization. You were just like, yo, this dude is having a crazy month. You know what I'm saying? But his skill set, uh, how he was doing, who he was, you never was like, oh nah, this this is this is the dude, this is everything. No. And if you did, you you were foolish. But like Zach Levine, 
And I was just talking about the Bulls. He was losing for years. But you look at his talent. You look at his scoring ability. Hell, he tore his ACL. You look how he came back from energy, his uh, injury, his resilience. You're like, okay, this is a foundational piece. Or at least something we can build around to get some pieces around it and see what we can do. LaMelo is a foundational piece. He's in that Trey Young, Luka, um, Ja Morant category. Like, okay, we got that. We got that figured out. Let's figure out everything else because we got our point guard for the next 10 to 12 years. Do whatever we need to make him happy. Um, Look at his skill set and figure out everything else around it. LaMelo is a superstar and he's in our division. So this is something we're going to have to get past. 76ers have slid all the way down to the sixth spot. They lost five in a row at one point. Embiid being out has clearly hurt them. But something they learned while Embiid was out. Tyrese Maxey might be a starting point guard and he might be a really good starting point guard. So if you can mold the offensive production that he's had over the past, you know, week, week and a half with Embiid's dominance when he comes back, they might have a little something there. The Knicks are sitting in the seventh spot and they're all defense with no offense. This is a classic Tom Thibodeau team. And usually, usually, you rack up wins during the regular season with that formula. No, I'd say grind out the wins. But this team doesn't have the offensive production needed to be a viable threat. Honestly, I see them hanging around the six, seven, eight spot. They they should be in the play-in come playoffs time. And it's something we definitely gotta avoid. And I speak about this as someone who's a Hawks fan sitting on the outside of playoffs. But I just I don't see this team having the offensive production necessary to move forward at all in the a spot is the Cavs. i expect them to drop drastically because it was just announced sexton's out for the year uh with the torn meniscus uh they're a scrappy bunch they're nice but i don't expect them to i don't don't expect them to be in the playoffs or if they have to play in the play-in to beat the two teams in the play-in that are there now you got the Celtics at nine, the Bucks at 10. Now, I talked about the Celtics. They are in turmoil. They have a lot going on. They got to figure some shit out. Tatum and Brown, they, they, they can't play together. And it sucks. It sucks because they are both extremely talented. But they, they just can't play together. It is, it's like two successful, two super successful like lawyers. One's a criminal attorney and like one's a defense attorney and it's just you're both successful on your own but like together you've got varying view viewpoints on almost everything and that's how it almost looks on the court with those two where it's like they should be damn near identical you're both lawyers you know what i'm saying but you score in different ways you score on different points of the floor they when you talk about like assist numbers they rarely pass to each other They're the main facilitators of offense on the court, but they either pass to, they're always passing to their teammates. They rarely pass to each other unless it's in a fast break situation. So yeah, nah, it's not going to work. One of them's got to move. The Bucks are sitting at 10. Uh, They're going to be in the playoffs. And it's not even a matter of like, they're turning the switch on and off or anything like that. It's just, you give the world chance benefit of the doubt. I don't see them missing the playoffs at all, at all. Like uh, Giannis is coming on, turning up over the course of 82 games. They're they're going to be in the playoffs. The Raptors are at 11. Siakam's by itself. 
Siakam is by itself. I want to say OG. Yeah, OG and no boy, Anobi, he's out. He uh, he's gonna be out. I think for three four weeks. Siakam's by itself, and I like Siakam's game, but he's getting older, and I actually think he might be a trade piece at some point because I want to say he was twenty seven when they won the title, and that's three years ago. So he's if he's not thirty, he's pushing it, and so they they're probably gonna be looking to flip him. And start the whole rebuild over so they can build around Scotty Barnes and OG. Honestly, they got rid of Lowry last year. So I see them as like trade piece and go ahead and tanking out. Uh, Like I said, we're in the 12th spot. The Pacers, Pistons, and Magic are below us. These are terrible teams. <laughs> these, these terrible teams, we don't belong down here with these people. So we need to, and yes, I said these people, if you're a fan of those teams, these people, <laughs> we don't belong down here. We need to go ahead and start climbing back up in the ranks. Um, I don't, of course, rankings are fluid. The playoff picture is fluid. I definitely see the Cavs and the Knicks sliding down. The top four slots, I kind of see standing pat because you know the Nets are going to be there. The Heat and the Bulls look for real, and the Wizards are going to be there. So the Bucks got the Bucks are going to take up a spot. We've got to avoid the play-in. So we've got to get at least to the sixth spot. We're going to be fighting the Sixers, the Knicks, and I still give the Celtics the benefit of the doubt just because they're such a talented team. So we got to get at least up to the sixth to stay out of that, and I think we can get there. Like I said, season's long. It's 82 games. We are... A little over an eighth of the way in, tenth of the way in. So we should be fine. We just got to do the work. All right. Now on to my favorite portion, the betting portion. Give me props. I entered this week on my basketball picks at 11 and 9, slightly above 500. I had an amazing week, went 6 and 2. So I'm 17 and 1 right now. I'm 17 and 11 right now. That's 60%. That is professional betting numbers, which means if you listen to me, you'll be making some money. I deliver my picks right before every game on Twitter um, at QCity11. That's my name on Instagram as well, QCity11. Follow me. Follow me and make some money. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I had Denver. I took Denver and the under. That was 2-0. I took Milwaukee and the under because I expected us to lose Milwaukee. Uh, and I didn't think we were going to score that many points. And we scored a lot of points and won. So I was 0-2 there. So I was 2-2. Two and two. And I was like, dang, it's kind of kind of shaping up to be a rough week. Then I went the over versus Orlando with an Atlanta win, 2-0. and oh, And then I took Atlanta in the over against Boston, 2-0. and oh. That's a 6-2 and two week, people. That is a 6-2 and two week, which just means, had you bet $10. For every bet straight. You know what I'm saying? For each one of those bets, you bet $10 straight. No odds, no nothing. You done won $40 this week. What could you do with $40? That's a whole gas tank for around these parts. I'm just saying, follow me, make some money. But when you want to get into odds, I've I found a new app. And it is it is amazing. It's called Parlay Play. Um, you do fantasy picks. Kind of just the over-unders, the uh, how many points, rebounds, assists somebody's going to get. Those those plus things I was telling you about for people to hit. And it is legal. 
in the state of Georgia. I'm going to get into that in city talk. So I, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I bet on the sharp app, but parlay play fantasy picks. Use it. It, it's, it is so cheap. They give you like $5 to sign up, but you can, you can literally bet a dollar and it gives you odds. You know what I'm saying? So like, if you want to parlay it all the way through and you got a dollar, they'll three times you and you'll get $3 for putting your dollar in. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you put in $5, you'll get 15 or you could just do pick by pick, which means, you know, like I win a dollar or I lose a dollar. I win $5 or I lose $5. So definitely try to use it. It's called parlay play. It is super helpful. It's super cool. I'm not giving out any football picks because obviously we played on Thursday. So I will be doing probably another betting podcast. Um, Like I did, I got a lot of. I got a lot of plays on when I just delivered just the betting podcast. And if it's something that, you know, continues to work, I might just make that like a Friday thing. Go ahead and just, you know, do my betting points all on all on Friday and just have like a whole a whole, you know, gambling podcast because it got like it got a lot of. It got a lot of burn, it got a lot of run, Uh, people seem to enjoy it, and if you followed me on it, you made some good cheddar, I had Zacchaeus for the plus 500 as the most receiving yards, and uh, guess who cashed on that shit, which means if you bet $10, you're 150, just saying, I'm just saying, listen to your boy sometime, know what I'm talking about. Now on to some city talk, so I've got like three extremely pertinent topics that have come up in various conversations Two came up in various conversations. And one is just a personal vendetta that I have against the state of Georgia. So <laughs> coming straight off, you know, give me props, the betting point. I wanted to talk about betting in the state of Georgia. It's going to get kind of political. It's going to get kind of wordy, kind of long or whatnot, but I think it's pertinent information. So I've said plenty of times I bet on the sharp app. I want to kind of clarify that because I have a narc ass friend and I know you're listening because you listen to every one of my podcasts and I appreciate you, but you are a narc. He is a cop. (laughs) Um, And he told me that I am encouraging people to break the law. And that is not the case. I pick my bets on the Sharp app. I do not bet specifically on the app. I send my bets to a friend who is in another state. He is able to then place the bets in his state because mobile betting in itself is illegal in the mobile sports book betting is illegal in the state of Georgia. And so like what sports book betting is, is like those casino bets, prop bets. I bet this person's going to get this many yards over unders, that type thing. You can't do that from your phone in the state of Georgia. You can pick them and then bet them in another state, but you cannot personally do them from your phone in the state of Georgia. That is illegal. But let me tell you why it's illegal. Of course, of course, it has to do with the two party system, Republicans, Democrats, all that. Senate Bill 142, right? That is the betting bill. Let's call that the betting bill. The whole reason that bill didn't get passed was because Democrats put up 
opposition to it because Republicans pushed through voter suppression laws. If you remember back to last summer, we lost the 2021 MLB All-Star Game because of similar laws. They looked at it. We were awarded the bid, but then they looked at it and they were like, hey, you're putting, you know, competency tests, literacy tests. Um, what's it called? Uh, voter ID stuff, um, kind of making it harder for you to vote in certain counties. And and I am I am all for everyone having the equal and fair opportunity to vote. I. We are we are all Americans and to be a part of the electoral process. To be a part of your government is is something that like a lot of people in the world don't have the opportunity to do at all. And so yeah, uh, you should exercise your right or exercise your right to not exercise that right. You know, there's a lot of people who don't vote in protest or don't vote because of religious reasons. And that is OK, too. You're in a place where you have that freedom. You have the freedom to vote and you have the freedom not to vote. But for the government to for the government to pass things to make it harder for you to do so, I get why people are upset about it. I it, it just bugs me about the whole retaliatory nature of what Democrats did because of it. And I understand, I, of course, of course, voting is more important than gambling. This is this is not a this is not an apples to oranges comparison. But the idea that you would not pass any legislature, one that could give all your constituents billions of dollars of revenue it could give your state billions of dollars of revenue and you are in protest of that because of voter suppression laws just it kind of it kind of feels like a weird hill to die on to me personally because this is money coming into your state this is money that's going to help people and it's it's a fun exercise it doesn't hurt anybody and it's legal in other states you know what i'm saying so it was it was very frustrating to really get the backstory and history about why betting mobily on sports books is illegal in Georgia. And then like betting fantasy isn't illegal. You can get on FanDuel, you can get on um DraftKings, you can get on Parlay Play like I said in the last one, and fantasy bets are not illegal at all. There's almost zero difference between fantasy bets and sports book betting. There's it's still betting. You know what I'm saying? You just don't want to pass this law because you want voter suppression laws change. So what's on the horizon? Federal laws have been put in place that will wipe out, assuming, you know, they, they pass and whatnot, will wipe out anything that is deemed as a voter suppression law, which means Senate Bill 142, the betting law, will come back up again over the course of the next um, congressional cycle. It is then passed. It will go into effect in the middle of 2022, which means you can bet on football games, you know, prop bets and whatnot next season. So we'll see, you know, what goes on, goes through. But you see how important the betting community is becoming in sports. You know what I'm saying? Like Caesars has arenas named after him. You know, DraftKings is a sponsor of the NFL. So like this, this stuff is coming. This stuff is coming. It's just, it seemed like a weird hill to die on. I understood why they took that stance. And like, I don't lean one way or the other. The only color I care about is green. It was just extremely irritating. But to know the history behind it was helpful. The next one is where do the Hawks fit in the Atlanta sports landscape?
The Hawks have been in Atlanta since like the 60s. You know what I'm saying? And I think for a good bit, they were like the whole lovable losers thing. But we didn't lose enough. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't we didn't lose enough to be absolutely putrid to the point to where we endear ourselves as like a losing fan base. So like we got people that just cling to us because we're losers. Like we're good enough to lose in the first round. You know what I'm saying? Like we we're kind of like a background team. And like I've said in pod, in podcasts before, Atlanta is a city full of transplants, full of just all types of people, all differing backgrounds. This new ownership group has taken a stance to, you know, endear those communities and bring them back in. But I think a reason that they had to do that was because Atlanta Hawks were really, really low on the Atlanta sports fan base. I think far and away, even though football is the most popular sport, the most popular team from Atlanta is the Braves. And it could be a function of, you know, east of the east of the Mississippi. They're the biggest sports brand. Um, a lot of those states in the middle, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, don't have baseball teams. You know what I'm saying? And for the longest, the Marlins didn't have a team and neither did the Carolinas. So, you know, you, you have a wide berth. And then Turner Sports allowed you to bring in just a huge amount of people. So the Braves are by far and away the most popular team. Then the NFL is the most popular sport. So the Falcons are second, regardless of how they break our hearts over and over again, because they are just who they are as people. They are the second, like most favorite team in Atlanta. Then you kind of have like a really deep, deep drop off. And then you have the Hawks. And in that drop off, I kind of see the Atlanta United coming up. You know what I'm saying? And in the dream, get almost no support. The dream get almost no support. Their tickets be dirt cheap. If you want to go see a good WNBA game, though, you can get into a dream game for like $15. I'm just saying good seats. But I was I was really shocked and surprised because I love basketball. I've, I've loved basketball for a long, long time. But when I even checked myself, the first team that I fell in love with wasn't the Hawks. It wasn't just to be completely honest. I fell in love with Detroit because they beat uh they beat the Lakers. I really liked because they had a throwback night one time and they wore the Grant Hill Seafoam Greens. So I really liked their jerseys. They beat uh they beat the Lakers, who were the big bad team at the time. You know, you're getting all this negative press on Kobe and whatnot. And I was a young kid, so you're super impressionable. So you're quote unquote viewing the Lakers as the bad guys and this scrappy young team that it kept flashing up on the screen, no all-stars, no all-stars, no all-stars, no true superstars, beat this team, and then we're good. We're good for a while after that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I really started getting into basketball after they won. And so the team I constantly saw was the Hawks. And you see the Hawks over and over again, and you realize like, okay, this is where I'm from. Oh man, no, I really like these guys. And then, you know, they took over in my heart as my team, the team I wanted to root for, the team I wanted to be, you know what I'm saying? But they didn't get me into basketball. They never reached those heights. And 2015 was the first year we even made the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that level of 
mediocrity. And that's the easiest way to explain it. Mediocrity, complete baseline normal, C average, is what pushes people away from the Hawks in kind of a weird way. I said it before. We had the longest playoff stretch in the East. The longest playoff stretch in the East. From when we drafted Horford to the year we traded him away and gave Dennis the team. We made the playoffs every single year. Made the second round four times and the Eastern Conference Finals once. I can't say definitively that that fan base grew demonstratively during that time. But you know whose fan fan base skyrocketed during that time? The Miami Heat, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Golden State Warriors skyrocketed during that time. And yes, it's because they had transcendent players and went to the finals. But another part of it was the fact that they bottomed out. They they went to the they went to the gutter and then they built it up. And I see it happening with this team now. When you look at Trey, he's taking over the city. He's out and about. He's everywhere. He's talking to people. He, You see him at other sporting events. Uh, you, you see like a real cross, cross brand of sports. Uh, you got Atlanta Falcons doing the mix it up sign. You got Braves after winning the World Series at Hawks games. I think that Atlanta, I think that the Hawks are trying to not only boost their status within the city, but close that gap between them and the Falcons. And honestly, I think that's all they can hope to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't think they'll ever overtake the Falcons as an Atlanta team. And they damn sure ain't overtaking the Braves. But being able to close that gap and definitively be the third team, but not like be third far and away, I think would go a long way to helping them really be ingrained in the culture of this city. Last but not least, the Ewing effect. (laughs) So this is all in response to when DeAndre Hunter went out and seeing Herter step up and play just out of his out of his brains. Um, if you're not if you're not, you know, hip to what the Ewing effect is, Patrick Ewing tore his Achilles, went out and the team seemed to, quote unquote, play better without him. Uh, they ended up making the finals and then they they lost. The whole idea of the Ewing effect is that you have a star player or just an important player and he goes out due to injury or, you know, like life, whatever. He leaves the team and the team plays better without him there. And so it makes people start to wonder, like, well, hold on. What is, you know, this guy's actual value or worth makes teams, you know, reconsider contracts, X, Y, Z, right? The thing about the Ewing effect is that guys go out, right? And you can't really game plan for a team without a certain player. So it looks like he's not as important, but truly it's just other teams trying to figure out this new team without this player. It is not a doubt in my mind that DeAndre Hunter is a lockdown defender and yes he's a net negative on offense but to just look at the win loss and be like oh well we're winning more games 
with him not there than we are with him there, especially if you take into account last year's playoff run. I think is is a bit facetious and, and not indicative of who he is as a player and what he means to the team, not only in the short term. Because if you just look at, you know, wins, losses, oh, we got more wins without him than we do with him. What you're also saying is that we wasted the fourth pick in the draft. The fourth overall pick in the draft, we wasted. You can't live with that one. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need Hunter to be good because free agent signings set a team, bad free agent signings set a team back. Bad draft picks set a team back hard, hard. We need uh, Ongeku to get back into the lineup and get started playing, but we we need Hunter back too. And just to look at strictly the win-loss and say we're better without him, I think also discredits guys being able to step up. Herter is playing out of his mind, and he may be suited for a starting role. Why don't you start looking at players who don't necessarily thrive when put into another position like Bogdanovich? And it, I'm not just picking on the guy. I'm I'm literally just saying like Hunter has shown that he's a starting lineup player. He can defensively shut down the other team's three or two if necessary. And he can slide down to the four. He gets bullied down there. But against like more athletic fours like Chris Stapps, he's able to hang with them. Julius Randle, he's able to hang with them for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So like. You need him in the starting lineup to shut down the uh, opposing players' wings. What is Bogey doing for you? That you can't put Hunter back in the lineup and keep Herter, who has shown that he is stepping up and being able to be that guy in the lineup. I just think it's something you should think about, you should look toward, because this team can grow. This team can get way better than it is right now, but it needs all its pieces. You can't just look at it and be like, Ah, Hunter's out and we're winning, so it must be him. That's not taking into account Cam Reddish's inconsistencies, uh, Coach Nate not being able to set rotations, Lou Will being played <laughs> in general. Um, yeah, all, all those things you got to take into consideration. So appreciate you guys. Hit me up at QCity11 on Instagram. Uh, I'll be able to get your get your quotes and topics for City Talk. Follow me at QCD11 on Twitter. You know, those where I put my picks out. Y'all make some money. And QCD Media is coming up on YouTube very soon. This process is taking a little longer than I anticipated. I said it was going to be out at the end of last week. And I was sorely mistaken on the amount of work it takes to actually start a whole media thing. And that's just me being overly optimistic. So I appreciate you guys. I enjoyed the ride with you. Tune in for me next week. All right. I'm out. Looking like I hit the lotto. I want a hottie like Mulatto. I'm on here and she on Miscato. I'm in them good till tomorrow. I'm a robber for the Neros. Yo, little logs, I'm going to put you on payroll. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yo. Papa Corona? She moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Gross it bag full of celery. Only believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 on me, case emergency. I wake up early every morning. Thank the Lord and get the bag.
Hustle hard, get the cash, stack first, then I'll show them my ass. Gotta go get it, mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. I don't believe how I wish you telling me. Keep a 20 on me, case emergency. My babies, that's who I grind for. That's who I do it for. Like the Navy, that's who I'm toting that iron for. Keep one in the head like a thought, nigga. Yeah, I fuck with Ty, he a boss, nigga. Put on that neck, I exhaust, nigga. Niggas cross me, so I cross nigga. No script was lit last night. 500, what it cost, nigga. Shit was really legit last night. Had them hoes at the house, nigga. Instagram, Snapchat, Triller. What they say about Jay, he a go getter. Used to have them fat sacks in the grove, nigga. Late nights, early morning, my dough, nigga. You smell that aroma? Design the air, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona? She moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. Only believe how I wish you telling me. Keep a 20 